Hey guys, welcome to the eighth episode of Word Books with Friend. I'm Chris. And I'm Paul. Today we're talking about chapter number eight, The Potions Master. And if you've been reading and listening along with us, you know what? We've finally gotten to the point where Harry's at school. He's officially starting his first day of classes here. And the very first thing to mention is at Hogwarts, first years, they have to take eight different classes. Uh, Transfiguration, Charms, Potions, History of Magic, Defense Against the Dark Arts, Astronomy, Herbology, and then Flying. And these are kind of all their intro to like their 101 classes. That seems like a pretty heavy course load, though, for, you know, an 11-year-old that's making their first steps into the wizarding world, even if you'd been someone that was raised in a wizarding family. Yeah, and, but it seems like they're, like the, you mentioned, oh, double potions. So it seems like they're operating like on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday kind of block schedule. Yeah, when I heard double potions, it reminded me kind of taking like a studio art class at school where it's like, okay, well, I'm taking, you know, two hours of a class instead of just my normal one hour. But it seems, yeah, it, it seems kind of like it winds and weaves. Yeah, like lab days, you know, yeah. with the, you know, if you had science courses and stuff like that in college. Um, or university, if you will. Uh, I have to say, and also flying doesn't start that first week. Like, luckily you got some time. Yeah. <laughs> to really get uh, get your regular class load. And we got Harry and Ron suffering from that, hey, we just need to learn our way around. And other people are getting lost. The, the ghosts aren't any help. The stairs aren't any help. It's rough enough being in like a new school for the first time. It's bad enough if there's doors to nowhere, doors that aren't actually even doors, staircases that change. Yeah, and like you said, ghosts just telling you the wrong way to go. So you kind of feel for them, but you know what? At least he, he's not in it alone. He's got a friend. He's going to his classes. You know, and they, they seem like fun classes. This isn't, you know chemistry this isn't physics this is well i guess astrology See, is a little yeah i think astronomy and i think potions are probably the two most like math based because right off the bat like looking at this course list i'm not a math-minded person at all those would probably be my two least favorite courses to have to go to like i don't even like to bake because so much of baking is based off of your measurements and the time it takes to like prepare or cook, you know, let your yeast rise. I'm not that person. Let me just add things to something until I think it tastes good. And then like, I'll bake it however long it's going to take to get that internal temperature up. I don't, I don't like those classes, Paul. Yeah. I don't think I could handle potions either because like as talked about in the previous chapter, I'm known for taking shortcuts and cutting corners. So if I had to be very precise and actually wait for things to happen, it wouldn't be great for me. But uh, the class I'm most interested would be in is in charms. I would have to, because I think, okay, I'm learning how to do something, you know, a skill. Mm -hmm. Okay, maybe I can learn a skill pretty well. I can get that done. And transfiguration also seems like there's a art to it. Like, mm -hmm. And I've never been good at drawing propor in proportion and understanding distances. Like, <laughs> how far away is that? I don't know, like six feet? Paul, it's like it's 12 feet away. <laughs> it's like, 
two of you away. Like, why do you think it's only six feet? I'm like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know proportions. Like, I'm bad at proportions. So, I, I just imagine all my transfigurations would be like, uh, I tried to make a, a, a spoon, but I made a ladle. <laughs> like, yeah. or a tea, or a tiny teaspoon. Like, everything would just kind of be out of whack. Like, they would have a ladle, uh, ladle cup but the tiny little teaspoon handle to it, like it just wouldn't work. Uh, I agree. I think charms would probably be my go-to class because that seems to be your most day-to-day magic. As much as I think transfiguration would be fun, I think defense against the dark arts would probably be my number two because that seems like the most interesting class. Like that's not the thing that you're going to use every day, but that's, kind of the one that you're most like, oh, well, this is cool. Um, but yeah, charms just seems like the the clear, like, okay, this is something I'm going to use yeah. in my daily life. It's a shop class. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I could probably handle that. That's, it seems like a tech level class here. So we, we didn't talk about this before, but what would be your kind of lowest, like, this is the class that I'm going to skip. I don't want to go to it. Like, ugh, forget about it. Okay, not just being bad at it, because trans- I already said transfiguration. I'm just bad. Yeah, for me, for me, potions would probably be my bad at, but, like, the one that's just your least favorite because you don't care, don't want to do it. Seems like herbology is a lot of work with no payoff. Like, you know what I mean? Because it's like, okay, we're taking care of things. We're learning about plants that... And those plants I'll use later on. What am I doing now with it? And see, for for me, that seems like astronomy. Like, at least with herbology, you might learn something kind of good that you could use day to day, whether it's in your potions or cooking or just like, oh, I burned myself. Aloe vera is good for that. You know, like, herbology seems like that kind of class. Astronomy, I that seems to be like the calculus of wizarding. Cause it's like, when am I ever going to need this? See, I'm assuming that astrology like would tell you about like, Oh, these are the times of days to like cast these kind of charms. Like, Hey, when Mercury is in retrograde, I don't know what that means, but I know it's a thing in astrology. Uh, that's when you want to be focusing on this kind of charm work or these kind of spell work. So I think it would tie in to my uh, magical theory. <laughs> I don't think so, because we'll have to pay attention over the next few chapters and books to see like what they're actually doing in astronomy, because none of that sticks in a mind, but I'm pretty sure that's the class that they needed to get the uh, telescope for. Because again, you know, astronomy, they're studying the stars. That might lead later into stuff like divination, where... This is like giving you the skills to step into that class so you can start learning about, you know, prophecy and theory and all that. But I don't know. We'll, 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 we'll put like a, that'll be our recurring segment, Astronomy Watch, where it's like, beep, 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 beep. And Astronomy Watch, uh, yeah, it turns out you need it for this. And with these classes, we're introduced to a few professors. We got the Professor... Oh my goodness, why can't I think of the herbology professor? Professor Sprout, the head of the Hufflepuff house. You mentioned Professor Quill again. 
we get uh, history. Uh, who I think is, has the most interesting side story: the history of magic professor, the ghost professor Bins. Yeah, who just uh, fell asleep reading in front of a fire, woke up the next day and left his body behind to go teach his class again. And it seems like he doesn't even realize he's a ghost. No, yeah, goes on. We've all had teachers like that that just drone on and on, and like if they died in the middle of the class, he would just assume their just their animated corpse would just keep on going. Uh, even to go back to you know a couple chapters ago, we find out that Professor McGonagall's the professor of transfiguration, and even then, like they're starting off slow, like they're turning pieces of straw into needles. Like it's very very tedious i want to say mm-hmm. it kind of makes me want to say mcgonagall's not my favorite character but you know who knows we know where she winds up and hermione in the last chapter said she was most interested in this class which i was surprised about you know seeing thinking that she'd be more of a history of you know history of magic kind of uh student but no she i think she wants that challenge and wants to prove herself here like uh Maybe that's why she's just so enthralled, and she actually succeeds almost with getting a kind of silvery, pointy piece of straw. Yeah, and at that point too, like even like very first class, very first day, uh, McGonagall says to everybody, "Transfiguration is the most complex and dangerous magic you'll learn at Hogwarts. Uh, anyone messing around in class will leave and not come back." And then, like right after that, she turns her desk into a pig. So, yeah, it, it seems pretty. Ha- I would say potions is probably pretty dangerous as well, because you're literally making stuff that can kill people, and I can only imagine how bad that can go while you're brewing it. Uh, also worth mentioning, someone else that we've already met at this point too is the. Uh, uh, I don't even know what to call him. The, the he's not the groundskeeper, but professor or he's not even a professor, uh, but Mister Filch, you know the school school security guard. They just call they call him caretaker. But yeah, it's him and his cat, Mrs. Norris, who are just kind of keeping an eye on the students in between classes to make sure everyone's where they're supposed to be, not doing something that they're not. And he's going to be kind of a recurring figure over the next six books too, where you always got to keep an eye out because Filch could be somewhere. And the fact that he always has his cat, Mrs. Norris nearby him and Mrs. Norris is on the lookout just as much as him kind of made me think, well, what's going on with Mrs. Norris that maybe they don't talk about in the books. Maybe there's some hint that I didn't pick up on what's special about her. And the answer is actually nothing. She's just a really intuitive and gonna get you kind of cat. It's suspected that the cat might be a cross between just your normal cat and a nasal, much like we'll find out uh, Hermione's cat Crookshanks is. But it's just—it sounds just like Mrs. Norris is just an unpleasant cat that is out to ruin your day. I think uh, just the two of them are make a great like kid villain like duo like uh, a caretaker that's just like the hall monitor just always in this like 
meddlesome cat. Like, dude, just why? Why are you always here when I'm getting away, trying to get away with something? Like, why? Why are you hassling me? I just need to use the bathroom. Like, you know, we all dealt with that. We've always had, you know, that one person that always catches you at the wrong moment, and to have that be like an antagonist just makes sense in this, even in this magical school. So uh, they're the principal from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Uh, the attendance, uh, the director of attendance. A, I is he? I thought he was the principal. I don't know. I don't know who he is, but yeah, because everyone knows Ferris is actually the antagonist in that movie. Is Mr. The, Rooney's the hero? Well, I think Cam's the hero. Ah, okay. I think it's actually Cam's story. And even though Ferris is like the main character and the movie's named after him, I think like, Ferris is actually the, the antagonist in that film. He doesn't have a arc, but Cam does. Cam, Cam, we're getting way off topic. <laughs> But yeah, Cam has an issue that he has, he does he can't deal with anything in his life because of his fear of standing up to his yeah his father his old man, and you know through his adventure he goes on a road trip and uh, learns how to you know enjoy life, live life, and want to live life. And in order to do that, he realizes he needs to stand up to his father, his uh, his father, and uh, you know then go out and experience the world instead of staying trapped inside. Yeah. And you know who's the worst person in that entire movie? Ferris Bueller. <laughs> Sorry. I said it. No one else is brave enough to. But that's why you come to Word Books with Friends, everybody. <laughs> you know who might not actually be the worst, even though Harry Potter thinks he is? Hmm. Snape. Professor Snape teaching potions. He's yeah. The class that he's dreading. I mean, I would dread it too, just like we said. I'm. There's too much measuring and time involved with it, but I think Snape just absolutely makes it worse. And yeah, he's. It's mentioned that he kind of favors Slytherin because he's the head of Slytherin House. Uh, but he seems to be just extra hard on Harry. And we do learn over the course of the next few books that Server Snape does have a history with Harry's parents. Uh, he was in love with Harry's mom. Harry's father, James, was kind of his arch rival in that department and always giving him crap. So you can kind of understand why Snape would give Harry a hard time based off of the crap that his father put him through, especially because supposedly at this point, Harry looks so much like his father, except for his eyes. He has his mother's eyes. But does that mean that Snape hates James more than he loves Lily, and that's why he's acting out at this point? Yeah. Maybe. But also, I'm kind of feeling like maybe Snape is doing Harry a favor, because this chapter starts with everybody whispering in the hallways. Oh, do you see that kid? The one with the tall redheaded? Yeah, 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 that guy. Next to him. That's Harry Potter. What? Did you see the scar? No. You know, that's how this starts. And... You know, Harry's got a lot to kind of prove, and everybody's thinking that maybe he is this great, you know? They've heard all these great stories about him. What better way to uh, kind of, like, take the air out of the room, you know, and, like, set expectations where they should be by taking the 
and taking that air out of him a little bit. And Snape does it right away. He's like, hey, answer these uh, questions. You know, powdered root of what to an effusion of what? You know, uh, what is a bizarre? You know, and Harry doesn't have any of the answers. Harry's, you know, just starting out like everybody else in the class. But you know who does have all those answers? Hermione Granger, who has her hand up for every single one of these questions. And something that you mentioned back when we first started this is we get those kind of little notes of, yeah, he might not be on the top of his game because there's a lot of self-doubt there, but Harry's really clever. And he even says, like, why don't you ask Hermione? I think she has the answer because she's had her hand up for every single one of these. And for a multiple-born, you know, witch, that's that's impressive because I don't know the answers to any of these. I like that even it's not Ron that gives, like, Harry, like, a wink and a, hey, like, good one. It's Seamus. So other people, like, in his house are, like, actually stepping up and, like, supporting Harry. Other people laughed at it. It isn't like, you know, he's alone on it. Like, so I think, I think this, I know it probably felt bad and feels bad to Harry. It stings, but I think it actually was for the best. It, it probably is. He, he, he loses some house points, which for not just the new kid at school, but the new kid to the wizarding world really hurts. Uh, but luckily he had received a letter from, Hagrid earlier on in the day, like, Hey, get a chance. If you want to come by, meet me for tea. We can talk about things. And it's these moments that I kind of forget about because Hagrid's such a class act. He might not be upper echelon wizard. I mean, he technically can't even do his magic anymore, but he knows what Mm -hmm. Harry came from and what he's walking into at this point. Hagrid doesn't know if Harry's made any friends, but he's just saying like, Hey, stop by my hut. Come in. We'll have some tea. Tell me about your day. Uh, Ron comes along with him, but I just, I think that's just such a warm moment for Harry that he, yeah, he has friends now. He's starting to grow into Gryffindor, but Hagrid's always been there for him, whether Harry knows it or not at this point. Well, Hagrid knows a couple things. He knows Harry's not getting a mail. You know, the only people that actually care about him are in that school right now. And uh, two, Harry's, yeah, might not be able to, you know, actually share his experience with if he doesn't have any friends. Harry's not writing home to say, hey, you know, this is my first week. So, Harry, you know, Hagrid's kind of giving him that out, giving him that experience, which I think is great. You didn't he, catch it until you, you mentioned it, Chris. Oh, really? Class act. He, he's just so, like... Yeah, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's just something that you would do. And I'm like, no, it's not something you would automatically do. It's something you would have to think about and be like, oh, right, that, that kid probably has nobody. Yeah, especially because, like, I mean, this is literally like Harry's first full day of school because the previous day they got dropped off by boat at the Great Hall and then got sorted and presumably just go to sleep to try to go to uh, their classes the next day. So Hager just kind of had that forethought just to be like, no, you know, let me, let me check in the little guy and make sure he's doing all right. Really nice. Kind of came out of this chapter with a little bit more respect for Hagrid just due to that. 
And uh, we get our first glimpse that maybe Hagrid isn't the best at keeping secrets because Harry's kind of complaining that Snape hates him. Uh, Hagrid can't even look look Harry in the eye and be like, ah, no, he doesn't. Why? Why would he? <laughs> uh, and then Harry kind of approaches uh, the subject of uh, the Gringotts break in. Yeah, and he's either kind of quickly uh, puts it off. You know, you know, walks around and Harry back to the castle. And this is more of the oh, shouldn't have said that kind of coming from Hagrid, like because I, again, even after the beginning of the book, like Hagrid seems to be a little bit more in the know than he lets on. But he's also kind of the most careless with that information. Uh, I think. I'm coming out of this re reread, I guess, uh, with a lot more respect for Hagrid than I had when I was coming into it because I haven't reread this book since probably 2010. So it's been like 10 years since I've read Sorcerer's Stone. It's been probably eight for me. I've always planned on going back and rereading it more often, but I just haven't done it. But the one thing that we can say... Hagrid, perfect spelling. On his note, on his cake, the the movies don't give you that. No, yeah, I feel like the movies just try to kind of play it up more like, oh, he's big, doofy guy, kicked out of school, like, I don't know, Harry, like, mm-hmm. book, book Hagrid's really in touch with things, and he might not mean to give you that information, but he's going to. And that's, I think, I think that's the great thing about these books is so much of the movies does draw from them. And it's, a, I think a great retelling of it, but you get so much more from the books when you go back and read them with knowing what, you know, I'm excited to read the next chapter with all of you. So join us next time. We'll be discussing the midnight duel.